Uh, thank you, Bedrick. <laughs> uh, chapter 18. So uh, we know that David has gone out of Israel with the people. Absalom has come in. Uh, the council of Ahithophel has been defeated. Uh, so he's gone home and hanged himself. Uh, and just uh, the sadness of that, the bitterness that ate away at him during his life. Uh, but it says in verse 1 of chapter 18 that David numbered the people uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. And David sent forth a third part of the people under the hand of Joab and a third part under the hand of, of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, and a third part under the hand of Ittai, the Gittite. And the king said unto the people, uh, I will surely go forth with you also myself. Uh, just wanting to go and, and be in that place uh, to minister with the people, but also to fight with the people, to stand with them. Uh, uh, but it, it's strange. Uh, as we look at Matthew 28, uh, the Lord said kind of the same thing. He says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Uh, the Lord wanting to be with his people in the heart of David, just seeking the Lord and, and just wanting to know the Lord's presence, looking to the Lord now for strength and wisdom and understanding and how to go forth and what to do. Uh, he's been displaced by Absalom. He's been moved out. He's now back on the run again it had to bring back memories of running from saul and the places to go and and what to do in, in those times uh and boy it just seems like uh, enough running already i i've been away enough uh and yet the lord chooses at this time just to show david i can be with you while you're in the palace i can be with you in the wilderness i can be with you in hard times i can be with you in good times but I'm always going to be with you. Uh, and for us, certainly, we, we see those times coming. We know hard times are here, uh, especially for Christians. Hard times for, for parents to raise kids. I was telling the folks last night, and uh, it was on uh, one of the news sources, uh, that uh, uh, parents of, of an 11-year-old girl sent their, their daughter on a field trip with a school uh, in Colorado. Uh, they went and uh, uh, they were spending overnights and uh, come to find out the school had placed a boy in her room that she was staying at during one of the overnights uh, who proclaimed himself to be a girl. And since he was a girl, they put a girl with a girl. But he was really a boy. And they didn't tell the parents. Just amazing the places that we're going to, how careful we have to be, uh, the things that we have to look out for now we never had to look out for years ago, but now we have to look out for those things and watch for those things, watch for those ways. Uh, but it's wonderful to know that in the midst of those hard times, the Lord is with us. Uh, he, he's going to reveal those things. He's going to minister to us in the midst. So uh, just to have our hearts in that place of, of having a right heart. And David certainly wanting that right heart, certainly wanting to be in that right place. Uh, uh, 
but he looks and he wants to go with the people to minister to them. And it's, it's hard as we get older that we can't always do the things that we wanted to do when we were younger. <laughs> uh, you can't get on the floor anymore uh, and, and then get up in two seconds <laughs> and start moving on. You kind of have to find a couch and push yourself up and uh, just get back to, to center again before you can get going again. Uh, and the people realize this. And it says in verse 3 that the people answered, You shall not go forth, for if we flee away, uh, they will not care for us. Uh, neither if half of us die will they care for us. But now thou art worth 10,000 of us. Therefore now it is better that thou succor or help us out uh, of the city. Uh, and it's amazing too that as we come to that place that we've got to have hearts that are able to submit uh, to the wisdom uh, that, that comes from above, the wisdom that comes even sometimes through the people that are with us. That, that yes, we, we have to submit and we have to stay. Uh, you, you're worth more than we are uh, to Israel as they look to see the nation of Israel rather than themselves. It's more of a corporate unit than just an individual now. And, and so they, they say to David, you need to stay in the city. Uh, chapter 18 here, you need to stay in the city. Uh, but David, you can't go with this out to the battle. You, you need to uh, stay back and just do what's right and, and pray for us. And so the king in verse 4 said unto them, What seemeth you best, I will do. And the king stood by the gate side, and all the people came out by the hundreds and by the thousands. So it's, it's interesting here, as you look back, you realize the last time David stayed in a place and the soldiers went out to fight, he stayed. But he went out on his, on his balcony and saw Bathsheba, committed adultery at that time. And now he's in the gate of the city, ministering as the people go, and ministering to the people that would come to him as an elder of the city, as an elder of that place. He was staying in the gate. He, he wasn't looking for anything else but to just be in prayer for the people that had to leave, to be in prayer for those that had to go, uh, in, in acting like the elder that God had made him to be. Uh, and so you, you, you almost do a comparison. You almost look at those things and realize, oh, thank you, Lord, for the growth that's happened to David. And thank you, Lord, for the growth that's happened for you and I as we've gone into those places and, and realize that, Lord, I can't do what I used to do, but, Lord, you've given me an opportunity to pray, to worship, to praise, uh, and to just stand in the gap for those that are out there doing that. Uh, probably Kath and I aren't going to be missionaries, although I can't say never <laughs> out in the world anymore. <laughs> Who knows what the Lord is going to do? See Bangladesh in our future. <laughs> that would be a treat, wouldn't it? Oh boy. Uh, but, but to be able to, to come to that place and, and to submit and to say, okay, maybe I can't do that, but there's always something for us to do. Just because we're older doesn't mean that we can't do anything. Just because, <laughs> wow, the crowd comes in and instantly starts attacking here. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. Oh, no, 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 not that. Uh, so the king said unto them, what seemeth you best I will do. And the king stood by the gate side and all the people came out 
And the king commanded Joab and Abishai and Itai, these commanders of the, the parts of the army, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave the captain's charge concerning Absalom. Uh, certainly not wisdom on David's part. Certainly he, he's in that place. It almost sounds like he's feeling guilty for the way he's treated Absalom, for the things that have happened. And yet Absalom is the one who's come to kill David. And he's he wants to get him out of the city. He wants to be king. Even though God hasn't anointed him, David has been anointed to be king, not Absalom. And yet David has, has removed others and taken their lives because they've come against the things of the Lord. And yet for Absalom, he, he switches to the other side. And we can't, whether it's somebody close to us or somebody that we don't even know, if God has anointed us to do something and not somebody else, we can't let family issues or family relationships get in the way of what God wants to do. And boy, uh, sometimes that's hard. I, I know uh, when I was a pastor over at Rochester, our, our kids would complain at times. You're always gone. You're always ministering to everybody else, but you don't have time for us. And just... And you start wondering, Lord, what should I do in the midst of this? But if God has called us, he's going to take care of those things. He's going to take care of those issues as we go. Uh, uh, so for... For David here, uh, certainly not, not wisdom on his part, not thinking in the right vein, uh, more of guilt than, than truth here. So, But it says in verse 6, So the people went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was in the wood of Ephraim, uh, where the people of Israel were slain before the servants of, of David. Uh, so those that had sided with Absalom and come with him... In, to take over the, the kingdom that was David's, that was rightly his. Uh, and we see the, that going on today too, don't we? We see the greater than David, our Jesus, that has taken over uh, as King of kings and Lord of lords. And yet people wanting to displace him, even in the church, not wanting Jesus to be in that place. Well, Jesus is too busy, so let's pray to Mary. Because Mary has taken over. She's got time for us and Jesus doesn't. Doesn't it sound like Absalom? <laughs> Just coming in to take over? But that's what the enemy does. He pushes things in there. Well, pray to this one. Pray to that one because Jesus is too busy for you. You're just a common person. You know what? If you're a child of God, you're a child of God. And God has time for you. Ugh. Don't, you don't have to go anywhere else for it. So they went out to this battle, uh, and the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David, and there was a great slaughter that day of 20,000 men. Can you imagine 20,000 families grieving over a loss of a loved one? 20,000 families now lost uh, a, a dad, a husband, a friend because of their idolatrous desires to have something besides God's anointed in power. And we see that all the time, don't we? And you know what? In the spiritual sense, we see so many hundreds of thousands of millions of people who are void 
of a husband who could really be a good husband if they were walking with the Lord. Void of a father who could be a good father because of his choice not to follow after the things of the Lord but to follow an idol. In a spiritual sense, we see so many without a father that are walking with and they're going to be slaughtered. They're going to die. You look at Revelation and you realize even with the church gone, uh, there's eight billion in the in the world now. Even if we're generous and give ten percent a good tithe of the people that are really truly born again of God's Spirit, not just religious but born again, because that's who God is going to come and and get in the rapture of the church. Even if we take ten percent, even if we take a billion people out of the world uh, up to heavenly places, uh, seven billion people left in the world and by the time revelation is over with the great tribulation two-thirds of those people are going to be dead because of their choice to follow after the things of the world rather than to follow the lord that's going to be sad that's going to be hard and the enemy doesn't care how many he loses because he's just going to destroy him anyway Satan doesn't care. Witchcraft doesn't care about the people. It cares about his promotion. And that's a sad thing. And look at the comfort that's going to be necessary there and who's going to be left in the world to bring comfort? Only the Holy Spirit. He's the only real comforter. Satan doesn't have a comforter. <laughs> his his uh, ungodly trinity does not include anybody that's going to be a comforter for the people. It's just going to be a destroyer. And that is so sad to see all that, that are going to die, and yet these people are there. They see their brothers. They, they see relatives. They see friends that have followed after Absalom and not David, and they're dying. And that's got to really kill their hearts, and it kills our hearts to see kids that grew up in the church go to college and now following ungodly things and, and walking in ways that are ungodly and, and you just your heart cringes because you know the parents love the Lord and yet their kids aren't walking their kids don't want that and that is so hard to see uh, but it says in verse 8 for the battle there was scattered over the face of the of all the country, and the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. Who's involved in the battle? <laughs> God. <laughs> because Israel isn't controlling what the trees are doing. It's not like the Lord of the Rings where all of a sudden the trees come alive and start coming in and throwing stones at castles and stuff. It's just, I mean, it's fun. <laughs> it's not reality. These trees aren't coming alive. But, but just the Lord moving people and moving things around just, just so that those things happen. God intervening just to, to be on David's side because remember, David is God's anointed, not Absalom. And God is going to be fighting for David and his people just like he fights for you and I. If, if you think, well, God hasn't fought for me at all. If you're still alive, God is fighting for you. <laughs> because out in this world, out in the, this air, there, there's a demon who, who wants to attack you, who wants to take you out, but God is intervening and keeping you and sustaining you. 
And we should be thanking him every day that we've made it through another day. I mean, sure, for us, if we die, we're home in heaven. Because Paul says to be absent for the body is to be present with the Lord. So we win either way. But just to see God working and taking care of us and keeping us is such a blessing. Because you realize if you've made it through today, it's because God has kept you. It isn't because you're good. It isn't because you're careful. It isn't because you're in control of everything that's going on around you. We're not. <laughs> God has taken care of us. And we're, we should just be so thankful that God is intervening in our behalf in the midst. In, in Jesus, it says, it daily intercedes for us. So verse 9 says <clears throat> that Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule. So he's pretending to be a king, because remember the kings of Israel were supposed to ride on donkeys. They weren't supposed to be riding on horses. And so Absalom's riding on this mule. <laughs> I can't picture a mule running away from a horse too well, but hey, <laughs> you never know. But he sees the, 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 the army that's coming, and so he runs away, and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak, and his head caught hold of, of the oak, and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. <laughs> I can just see, see Absalom swinging uh, from the tree, you know, by his hair, and going, you stupid mule, come back here. <laughs> hey, dumb donkey, get back here. <laughs> just, it ain't going to happen. The mule's gone, he's gone. I'm free of this weight that was on top of me. Hey, I, I'm out of here. Uh, but, but isn't it amazing? Uh, verse 10 says that a certain man saw it and told Joab and, so, and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. Uh, and, and remember, he's swinging from his hair. And he can't seem to reach the branch up above that's holding him and get free of it. He, he's just there swinging, and he stays there for a while. We're, we're going to see that. But isn't it amazing? Remember what it said a couple chapters before? That he, that he cut his hair once a year, and it was 20 shekels. It, it, was, it was almost four pounds of hair that he cut off every year. And I don't know about you. I don't think in the last 10 years... I, I've had four pounds of hair. <laughs> this is just so fine. <laughs> I don't think there's four pounds at all. He did it every year, but his pride became his downfall. And not just physically, we're going to see it spiritually too as, as we go on. But isn't that amazing? The things that we have pride about in our flesh are going to be our downfall. I'm proud because I can argue with people. And I can argue him into the kingdom of heaven. That's our pride. That's not God's heart. And that pride is going to be our downfall. Whatever you hold up before God in that place of being your prominence, your, your position, your, your exaltation is going to be your downfall unless it's Jesus Christ. Because there's only one on the throne and guess what? It's not you. It's not me. It's Jesus. And he's going to give his place to no one. Isn't that amazing that he takes the place of David? David let his kingdom go. Jesus is never going to let his kingdom go. He's always going to be on the throne. No one is going to take his place. Nothing. Ain't no how. <laughs> 
so uh, th- this man sees it, tells Joab, the commander, and Joab sent to the man that told him and said, Behold, you saw him. Why didn't you smite him to the ground? <laughs> There's compassion, right? Hey, uh, Joab hasn't got too much compassion. I would have given you 10 shekels of silver and a girdle. Wow, gee, thanks. <laughs> the girdle is really a sash. It's not a girdle like we think of girdles, but uh, uh, just, I would have given you 10, sec- 10 shekels of silver and a sash. Oh, amazing. And the man said to Joab, though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, yet I would not put forth my hand against the king's son. For in, in our hearing, the king charged thee, and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. This man is being faithful. Joab is not going to be. God could take care of Absalom, couldn't he? And yet Joab takes it in his hand to play God instead of letting God take care of it. Uh, but he probably knows David's heart, and, and David was going to have forgiveness and just let him go when death should come. It's a sad thing to say, but Absalom has already died spiritually. And if he keeps on that route, he's going to die physically. And certainly that's what this is going to bring uh, to Absalom's life. In verse 13, he says, Otherwise I should have wrought falsehood against my own life, for there is no matter hid from the king, for thou thyself would have set thyself against me. And then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with you. I'm not listening to you anymore. And he took three darts in his hand, three, three spears, three small spears, uh, and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. Uh, uh, <laughs> just, just amazing here. And, and I got a cross reference, and I don't know what it is. And okay. Uh, 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 but he, but he, he's in this place in the tree and ten young men that bear Joab's armor. He's got ten men with him that just bear his spears, his arrows, his bows. He's got ten guys with him that are just carrying his weapons. <laughs> he's a general. He, he's got people around him. Uh, so ten young men that bear Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. They see his, uh, their commander doing it, so they do it with him. And Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing after Israel, for Joab held back the people. He did a good thing. (laughs) Uh, It's amazing how many times we do good things and and think it can justify the bad things that we're doing. Nothing is going to justify the bad things that we're doing but the forgiveness that comes from Jesus because of his blood work on the cross. That's the only thing that's going to forgive us of sin. Joab is sitting there going, well, I did this good thing, and it outweighs the bad thing that I did. What's he doing? Just as as much as what the world is doing. Well, my good works outweigh my bad works, so I must be okay with God. Because God is love, and he sees my heart. He knows I've done more good things than bad things. But what does our Bible say? If you've sinned in one part of the law, you've sinned in all of it. And the wages of sin is death. It's not life. We can't justify ourselves by how much good we've done. Because what is good? 
Jesus said, there's none good but God. What do we say? Well, my good works. And he says, what good works? If you did them for yourself, there are no good works. <laughs> well, what we think is good, God may think is evil and awful. So we better go with what's right rather than what we think could be right. I'd rather go with the for sure than the maybe. I don't know about you. <laughs> I'd rather be sure than to be maybe I'm going to heaven. Maybe I could have this. When the Bible tells us that we can know for sure that God is going to accept us because of what Jesus has done for us. Not what our good works have done, but what his, his goodness and his grace and his mercy have done. Uh, I wouldn't want to be in that place of being before Jesus and hear him say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. I'd rather hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And there's only one way you can get to that place, and that's through Jesus. It's a narrow way. It's not a wide gate. It's a narrow way. Follow narrowly. Just be in that place. And it says in verse 17, they took Absalom uh, and cast him into a great pit in the wood. Isn't that sad? A sad way for a man to, to end up who wanted to be king ends up being thrown into a pit in the wood. Boy, that's pretty awful. Hmm. But when we seek our own way instead of God's way, we always end up in a pit. When we're looking for our way to be glorified and our way to be promoted and our way to, to have happen, we always end up in a pit because that's just pride. It, it's never love. It's never God's way. It's always our way in that place. So they took Absalom, cast him into a great pit in the wood, laid a very great heap of stones around him. He was, he was supposed to be stoned for what he did. He was a disobedient son. It talks about that in Deuteronomy 21. And what would happen to a disobedient son in those days they would stone him. And it says they, they gathered and they laid a very great heap of stones upon him. What should have been done by David and, and the elders of the city was now done by, by the people of the army, ungodly men who were just coming after him. Joab, not a godly man, just a, a great commander uh, of the armies, but not a godly man we're going to see in the world is going to cast stones upon him. What David should have done by the rules of Israel was now done by people. What started out to be a king ends up in, in a pit covered in stones. Ugh, what an ending when he could have had so much more. Even if he was never king, if he was born again, he would have so much more than he has right now. Because for for Absalom, this was the best that it was ever going to be. For David, his best was yet to come because he was going to go to heaven. <laughs> for you and I as believers, our best is yet to come. For those that are ungodly in the world right now, this is the best it's going to get for them. Shootings every day in the city. Sexual abuse of kids. 
awful stuff that goes on in the world that, that man thinks of. This is the best it's going to get. Can you imagine if this was the best it was going to get for you? I'm sorry, but this is not good compared to what's to come. This is awful. This hurts. Just look at your own bodies. <laughs> we aren't getting any better. <laughs> the laws of nature are coming against us and we are falling apart. But God is going to put us back together better than ever before. Fit for heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's going to get better for us. Oh, so thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in you. It says in verse 18, Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and reared up for himself a pillar. This shows where his heart is. His heart is for himself. He reared up for himself a pillar. This is me. He put a statue of himself out in the dale, uh, which is in the King's Valley. For he said, uh, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. And he called the pillar after his own name. And it is called unto this day Absalom's place. So what he did in pride, isn't it amazing? He made this pillar out of stone, puts it in the valley. And what happens? In the valley, in a pit, as it were, a valley, he was thrown into it and stones put upon him. The very thing he did in pride became his downfall. Oh, so sad to see and so hurtful. I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. So he called the pillar after his own name and said, uh, it is called to this day Absalom's place. <laughs> before he had sons, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but must have come after. But it's just sad. Then said Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok, let me now run and bear the king's tidings, how that the Lord had avenged him of his enemies. Uh, remember, the son of Zadok was one of the messengers that came out of Jerusalem, came to David, told him the news of what Ahithophel and Hushai were doing and what Absalom's decision was. Uh, and so he's still with him. He wants to run back and tell the king what's gone on. Uh, king David, how that the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said unto him, You shall not bear tidings this day, but you shall bear tidings another day. But this day thou shalt bear no tidings, because the king's son is dead. And then said Joab to Cushi, uh, Go and tell the king what thou hast seen. And Cushai bowed himself unto Joab and ran. Isn't it amazing? Even in the church, because these are believers, right? These are believers that are with David. There's those that want the prominence of bringing the news. Those, there's those that want the prominence of, of having to be the first one to come and tell the king what has gone on. And Joab says, you have, you have no message to take. Why would you want to run? And it's amazing, even in the church, people want to rise up. It just shows the pride that can be in people, even if they're in the church. But the pride that needs to be get, gotten rid of, because he's going to come and he's got no message. And it's amazing to me that he runs on even though he had no message. 
but I want to be the first one to tell the king. Well, what are you going to tell him? I don't know. I don't have a message. <laughs> Sad. In instead of doing like David did, we were talking about it last night at church, that David, when he wanted to build the temple, remember Nathan came and, and David told Nathan, I want to build a temple for the Lord. <clears throat> and Nathan said, go ahead and do it. And then the Lord came to him that night and said, tell David, he can't build me a temple. But his son is going to do it. And you think, well, why can't I do it? I'm king. I'm anointed of you. I'm in the church. I'm a believer. I should be able to do this. But David, instead of being full of pride and saying, well, why not me? And stomping his foot and throwing a tantrum like a 10-year-old girl, what does he do? He goes into the temple and worships and says, thank you, Lord, that my son is going to be able to do it. He doesn't come against the Lord. He goes with what the Lord had said and said, okay, that's wonderful. Whatever you want, Lord, is what we're going to do. And yet there's people in the church that say, I want my way. I want to do it. I want to be seen. I want to be noticed. I want to bring the tidings. Why, why is it that somebody else gets to do it? Why not me? And even David. He's king. He's anointed. But he submits to God's will. And we see Ahimeaz not submit to God's will. <clears throat> but instead somebody else gets to do it. And he's jealous. And jealousy in the church is going to cause division. It's going to cause hurt. It's going to cause destruction to the body of Christ. Uh, so sad. So Joab in verse 21 tells Cushai, go tell the king what you have seen. And Cushai bowed himself to Joab and ran. And then said to him, as the son of Zadok, yet again to Joab, but howsoever, let me, I pray thee, also run after Cushai. He's thought about it. He says, nah, this ain't going to happen. It's not good. I want to do it. <laughs> oh, so sad. And Joab said, wherefore will you run, seeing that that thou hast no tidings ready. But howsoever, he said, let me run. So he keeps badgering him. And so uh, Joab lets him. Then Ahimeaz ran by the way of the, the plain and overran Cushai. He's a better runner, evidently. And it doesn't matter if you're a better runner. But what matters is, what's the message that you're bringing and who told you to come? Ugh. We're going to see that Ahimeaz gets there. He has no message. What happens to him? He gets pushed aside. And they're waiting for the real message to come. Ugh. And that's sad. To run all that way. To outrun the others. And yet have nothing to give. When they're looking for, for that refreshment to come from a, a faraway place. I've got nothing to give you. Then what are you doing here? You've done this out of jealousy. You've done it out of pride. And there's nothing there. Ahimeaz is going to have to learn submission. Just like you and I have to learn submission. We're all going to submit to somebody. That, that famous Bob Dylan song. <laughs> We're going to serve somebody. Who are you going to serve? Oh boy, you don't have to sing it. It's all right. <laughs> Should have never done that. I, I'm, I'm going to learn one of these days. <laughs> uh, verse 23. 
uh, he says, let me run. And he said to him, well, go ahead and run then. So Ahimeaz ran by the way of the plain, overran Cushai. <clears throat> and David sat between the two gates. He's acting like the chief and the elder in the city. He's doing what's right. He's sitting there. And the watchman went up to the roof over the gate to the wall and lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, a man running alone. And the watchman cried and told the king. And the king said, if he be alone, there's tidings in his mouth. And he came apace and drew near. This is what David expected. If he's coming, he should have some news. Mm. He should have something to say. And the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called out to the porter and said, Behold, another man running. And the king said, He also brings tidings. <clears throat> and the watchman said, Methinketh, uh, that the running of the foremost is the running of Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man, and he cometh with good tidings. Look at what the king expects out of this guy that's coming. He's going to bring me news. Oh. And Ahimeaz called and said unto the king, All is well. And he fell down in the earth upon his face before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which has delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? I'm looking for a certain message. What is it that you can tell me? Because I know that Joab is going to come send a messenger to tell me what the news is. And Ahimeaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant and me thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what, what it was. I don't have a message for you, king. And isn't that sad? That somebody can come to you, and you and I are those messengers, we're those runners, and what do we do? We bring the good news of the gospel to the people of the world. But just imagine if you go up to somebody and tell them, I, can, I have a message that you can get to heaven. Well, how do I get there? I can't tell you. I don't know. What kind of message is that? It's a false hope. <laughs> when God sends us, he's going to send us with a message for the people that are there. And sometimes people want to be sent, and they come and, and they have a message, but it's an empty message, just like a Himeas. He had an empty message that didn't fulfill what was necessary for the people that were left behind to hear. I have a message from the Lord. Well, what is it? Well, I think it might be this. He said, that can't be the Lord. That's an empty message. Mm. What we want to do is be filled with God's Spirit, doing it God's way so that we have a full message of what God wants to send to people. And the king said unto him, Well, turn aside and stand there. Get out of the way, because you don't have anything. You have an empty message of him, he asked. Can you imagine how deflating that has to be? He's run all that way. He's outrun the other runner that had a head start. He goes, Yahoo! <laughs> and he comes, and he gets deflated. Well, you lost your blessing because you did it the wrong way with the wrong thing. I used to run uh, cross country uh, and sometimes <laughs> we ran one race uh, because we got there late. We entered as a different team. 
and, and we entered in, in the wrong division and I won the race and we got to the end of the race and everything is starting to be announced and I didn't get a trophy because we entered as the wrong people. I ran that hallway and I get nothing out of this? Well, you won the race. Yeah, but, yeah, but. <laughs> Amazing, and we had to go home deflated. We could have done it if we got there in time. But we weren't. And God had a plan. And, and boy, has he showed me that with this, that just because you run doesn't mean that you're supposed to be there. Oh, make sure of what God is sending you to do. And don't come with an empty message. Come with that full one. <laughs> Amazing to me. Uh, Turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. And behold, Cushai came. And, and Cushai said, Tidings, my lord, the king, for the Lord has avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. <clears throat> and the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord the king, and all that rise up against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And the king was much moved, and went up to the chamber over the gate, and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I have died for thee, O Absalom, my son you don't have to hold your place here, uh, but, but go to, to Luke uh, chapter 15, uh, if you would, and we'll finish up there just for time's sake. Uh, uh, so, so Luke chapter 15, uh, and just to, just to add to it and just to, to see what God has to him, because there, there's a father and a son in this story too. Uh, but it's a different outcome. It's a different way because things were done differently and things were done in order instead of out of order. We're going to see David next week uh, just really blow it with the people because of his heart. His heart was wrong in this place. Uh, but let's look at, at this one and see what was done right. Uh, this, of course, is the story of, of the prodigal son. Uh, we, we know the son, he rises up, he wants his money, he takes off, leaves dad and, and goes uh, and spends all the money, all his inheritance on, on wild things and wild women and booze and everything else that was there. He ends up eating, eating with the pigs in a, in a pigsty. I don't know about you, we had pigs when I grew up on the farm. Pigs are the dirtiest, yuckiest things. And I can't imagine sitting down to dinner at the trough with a pig next to you. I don't care how, how cute you think they are. They are not cute when they're sitting there putting their snout in mud and junk and stuff. And they sit there and look at you and go, <laughs> it is not cute. <laughs> they are ugly. Bacon is good, but pigs aren't cute. I, I don't know. But in verse 20, it says, and he arose and, and he came to his father. He comes to his senses. He realizes that my father's servants are doing better than I am. Uh, and so he arose, he came to his father. He had no extra clothes. He didn't change his clothes along the way. He had no money left. He's coming in here smelling like a pig, smelling like a barnyard, ugly stuff, covered in junk. He comes to his father, but when he was a great way off, 
look at what his father does. His father had saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. What a difference between Absalom and David and this man and his prodigal son. His father stayed in the right place, did the right things, looked to the Lord to bring him home, didn't go after him. Isn't that amazing? How many of us parents run after our kids and say, it's okay if you're naughty, just come back to me. Just come back and love me. And yet we've got parents that are doing that. And I'm sure we've all made those mistakes along the way. If you haven't, <laughs> you can teach a class on parenting, please. Because uh, I've blown it. Uh, his father sees him. He goes and has compassion. He runs, falls on his neck, and, and kisses him. Really? You're kissing the pig that was right next to him before, just a little while ago. Yuck! But that's how much love he has for his dirty son. And, and don't we have a father in heaven who has come and kissed us as we've come back to him with the stench of the world on us. And he says, you're coming home to me. It's so wonderful. That's how much love our father has for us. Ugh. And the son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no more worthy to be called your son. Look at his heart compared to Absalom's. Absalom raises up a pillar in the valley. This son says, Dad, I'm not worthy to even be called your son anymore. Can you imagine if Absalom came back and did that with David? How sweet that, that, that uh, reunion would be rather than the way it was. He ended up because he wouldn't submit, because he wouldn't turn, because he wouldn't surrender his way and, and come God's way. The result is that he dies. In this picture, we see the son come and he's restored to a better place than he ever had before. Son, here, let me give you everything I have. I already had my inheritance. Well, let me give you more. <laughs> Amazing to me. Uh, but the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand. He's already sold his ring. Speaking of the birthright, speaking of who he was, he was important in the kingdom. He was important in his father's house and put shoes on his feet. He didn't even have shoes. Walking all that way home. And dad says, put shoes on him. Oh, give him some comfort. Give him some relief. Let me clothe you with what I have for you. Isn't that a picture of what God does for us? That he gives us robes of righteousness because we don't have the clothes to wear. He gives us those robes of righteousness to wear. And then bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and let us be merry. <laughs> let us be merry. There's no merriment in David's house. He's broken because his son has died. Remember that it was going to be a fourfold death sentence on David because of what he had done? Absalom is the third out of the fourth. We're going to see another son rise up after this that's going to get killed also. But Absalom, another son that died. There's no merriment, there's no joy, but with our Father in heaven, 
there, there's going to be married times because of what God has done. He says, for this my son was dead and he's alive again. He's born again. <laughs> the picture here is just so sweet. It's just so wonderful. He was lost, but he's found. And doesn't it tell us in scripture that Jesus has come to seek and to save that, that which was lost and to bring him to salvation? And look at what he does here. He comes to salvation. <laughs> and they began to be merry. Ah, just an amazing picture of what God has done versus what we can do uh, in, in our flesh. And boy, what a sweet picture. Uh, and we have so much with our Lord. And we're in a great time of year because we're just picturing his son coming so that he can redeem fallen man. And I'm just so thankful for this time of year. It just reminds me over and over of all that the Lord did for me. I think it was in one of Kath's classes that, that she was involved in that the lady said, can you imagine God Almighty being squeezed into a, into a baby? <laughs> that is sweet. It just, yeah. How do you put all of God into an eight-pound baby? You know, I don't know how much he weighed, but, you know, if I said 12 pounds, you go, whoa, big baby. <laughs> but how do you squeeze God into a baby? And yet he was God Almighty come in human form to die for you and I. Uh, so, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the truth of it. And, Father, we, ju we just get to sit here and pour ourselves into your scriptures. And you pour those scriptures into our hearts. You give us the truth of those scriptures. You give us the way of those scriptures. You give us the spirit of the scripture that shows us truth, that shows us right ways, that shows us right living, that shows us what you want to do instead of what the world wants to do and, and pretends that it's God taking care of us when they don't have a clue of how to do anything. So Lord, help us to believe your word and not the things of the world. Help us to believe your word only and not what a majority of people want to say. We want to hear what you want to say, Lord. So help us with that. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that are ready to receive whatever it is you want to say to us. And be with us, Father. Give us a right heart in the midst of these days. And we thank you for it. And give you praise and honor. Because you alone are worthy. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.